we turn to Revelation chapter 5, we have to remember that there were no chapters and verses and uh, everything was one big letter back uh, when it was originally penned. So this is uh, completely lined up with chapter 4. And in chapter 4, we started in verse 1, where we read John being called up into heaven. Come up here. And John, it wasn't as if John had a book of flight. He didn't have to climb a mountain. He didn't have to do anything. When the words, come up here, were given to him, I'm sure the look on his face was, how? You know, how? But the Lord took him up there to the throne room. When the rapture happens, I don't know that we're going to hear the words, come up here. I don't know. But I know that it's not going to be anything that we do to get there. We're just going to be there. In the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be changed And we're going to be in the presence of the Lord. So, um, looking forward to that. The scriptures have already told us what was. And we read about what is. When we read about the seven letters to the seven churches. Those letters to the seven churches were to seven physical churches that were in existence at that time, but they also represented seven church times, periods, or seven church types that have been in existence since that time. We recognize today the church, the Laodicean church was the final church, and that's um, very similar to what we're seeing going on in the church today, uh, that doesn't mean that there isn't a church of Philadelphia. No, I'm not talking about Joe Foch. I'm talking about the church of Philadelphia being a church that didn't have anything negative said about it. And it was just a church that was just sold out for God and doing what they're supposed to be doing. And so we see all of these examples of those seven churches that they continue to this day. And now after those seven churches, John is called up to heaven and then he starts describing the throne room that he's seated in or standing in and he's watching what's going on. We see the Father, God sitting on the throne in the center. We see four creatures that were unusual looking creatures. John describes them. And then outside of that are 24 elders that were around the throne. There's an emerald rainbow and light emanating from the center of the throne. John is seeing all of this, a sea of glass, not water that looks like glass, a sea of glass. 
I don't know that I've ever seen anything like what John is talking about, except maybe in a dream. But here John is seeing it with his own eyes. And now beginning in chapter 4 till chapter 22, we're seeing what happens after this. These are the things that have not happened yet. They will happen in the future. If you were raised in one of the denominations that talks about the book of Revelation as if it was something that took place in 70 AD, I'm glad you're not there anymore. Because the book of Revelation is just as literal as every other book of the Bible, unless it's poetry that we we see in some of the books, but it's literal. It's what is going to happen. And we can trust God about what he's going to do. Today's message is titled, The Title Deed. And we continue our study through Revelation. We're going to be starting in verse 1 in chapter 5. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. So here is the scroll. A scroll is a book. When you look in the movies and they always have like uh, they find the old ancient books and it's a big book that you open and stuff like that. Lies. It's just what the movies do to, you know, depict what a, bo- what a book looks like. A book back then were scrolls. It was papyrus or animal skin, and, and the, it opened up this way. It rolled, and it opened up this way. And uh, every few inches was a column so that you can read the, the contents of the scroll. In uh, Israel, you can go and see uh, the full book of Isaiah in the museum there. And it's just amazing. They have it all uh, wrapped around there. It's pretty cool. And, And it's one of the longer books. But it just verifies and validates the accuracy of the Bible. It confirms what we know to be true. And so here is a scroll that's um, in the hand of God. He is there on the throne. It's in the right hand. The right hand is the hand of authority, the hand of power. This is who God is. He has all authority, all power. And you know you're also written on the hand in his hand. You're also secure in his hand. You're in the palm of his hand. He's, he must have big hands. And we don't have to worry about falling out of his hand because he has us secure there. So in his right hand, he also has this scroll. And it's written on the back and the inside, which is unusual for a scroll. Usually, scrolls have the text on the inside, 
and uh, and they're protected by the rolling uh, procedure. This, even if the it's the longest scroll, some people say, "Oh, this is the Bible." Uh, some people say, "Oh, it's the Old Testament." Well, why do we need the Old Testament like a scroll that's hidden that nobody can read? We can read it. Got it right here. New Testament too. So I don't believe those people that say it's the New Testament or the Old Testament, I don't believe that's accurate because why would there be so much secrecy about what's in the scroll if we already have it? So I'm thinking that those are not the options. Some say it's the book of Revelation that's inside the scroll. I'm just throwing things out that I'm saying I don't think these are valid possibilities because they don't make sense. They don't fit uh, the narrative here. So when we look at the scroll, it's written on the inside and the back also. Well, there are scrolls that do have writing on the back because they ran out of room on the front. And they transferred it to back. There's also another reason why you would write on the back of the scroll. You see, when you have a title deed, you would put the information about the property, the land, uh, on the inside of the scroll. And then on the outside of the scroll, you put the instructions for who can claim that land. There are certain information instructions that are given to the landowner. And so that is a good possibility. This may be a land redemption legal document. And that's what God is holding on to. And a lot of people believe that. A, a lot of people believe that that's what this is, the title deed for the earth. So it doesn't have to be a big document. You see, I think if you open it, it would just say everything. You know, he created everything. It's all his. Some people get confused about the title deed of the earth, because they believe, hold on, this is Satan's earth now. He holds the title deed for the earth, uh, but he's going to lose that because of Jesus, because what Jesus has done. You've heard these things before, haven't you? Right? Except here's the problem with that idea. The problem is, God never gave the title deed away for the earth. See, Satan deceived Adam and Eve, and he was allowed to be the ruler of the earth, a government-type position. And he was in charge of things, but it wasn't his. Because if it was his, then he could do what he wants with it in the future too. But it was never his. It's still God's. That's why the title deed is in the hand of God, not in the hand of Satan. Or any other hand, for that matter. 
it's always been God's title deed. So the instructions would, you guys, you know about the book of Ruth, and we read about Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. And so this is another picture of possibly that. This document is a title deed sealed seven times, and it's protecting what's inside the document. That is the earth. That's what the document talks about, is who has possession, who is the righteous ruler and uh, the one that's in charge of the earth. We, we already know who that is. It's not like a spoiler. I, I haven't ruined it for you. Uh, but as the kinsman redeemer, Boaz um, went, if you don't know the whole story, Naomi, um, a Jewish woman, went to um, Moab with Elimelech, her husband, and the two sons, and then their daughters uh, that were Moabitess, and they lived there because of problems in the land. So they sold it off, moved away. Then Elimelech dies, then the sons die, and then Naomi is left. One of the daughters-in-laws leaves, and so it's Naomi and Ruth that are left together. And when Naomi hears, oh, the famine's done with and we can go back, and she goes back to her land, but she can't buy it back. She doesn't have anything. She doesn't have any money. She doesn't have anyone to work the land. She just wants to go back and be amongst her people. And Ruth says, I'll go. She's a Moabitess. She's a Gentile. But Ruth says, I'll go. And your God will be my God. And where you get buried, I'll get buried. That's, I'm going to dedicate my life to you and to serving you. And so they go back. And then Boaz was the landowner. We, we know the story. Ruth went out and she was gleaning in the field, met Boaz. Boaz said, woohoo. And, um, and then Boaz finds out that he is the kinsman redeemer um, for Naomi's land. And he could redeem Naomi's land for her. Except there was another kinsman redeemer that was just a little closer in, in relationship. And so he went and told him about, hey, do you want to redeem this land? And the guy said, yeah, I could always use some more land. I'll redeem it. And then he said, oh, but um, Ruth, the Moabitess, goes along with it. And he's like, nope, deal's off. Don't want any part of this. It's interesting that when I was praying about this, the Lord showed me, hey, Jesus and Boaz were alike. Jesus is the kinsman redeemer for all believers. And, you know, Boaz was a type of Jesus. But the other kinsman redeemer was another type. He was a type of the Jewish 
leaders, the Jewish rulers in Israel during the time of Jesus. You see, they rejected what God had already put in place. They didn't want any part of it, especially if it had to do with Gentiles. What? Gentiles are going to be in heaven? I don't want any part of this. You know, and so that first Redeemer was a type of the Jewish rulers that gave up uh, their right to represent God because they didn't receive Jesus as the Messiah, although they were told over and over and over again he was. And so that's possibly what this document is, that title deed of the earth. And I say possibly because we're not told. Want another possibility? It could be a will. Because wills in those days were sealed with seven seals. You see, the scroll is rolled up. There are strings wrapping each section of the scroll wrapping around. So there were seven of those, and then there are seven wax seals that seal over those strings that were wrapped around the scroll. And so that is something very common. Now, the writing on the back may have been the instructions for opening the seal. These are the qualifications, requirements for the person that opens this. And so who was worthy, who met the requirements to open the scroll? That was of most importance. If a person is not qualified to open the scroll, then the scroll remains sealed and it wasn't able to be opened. So that's the dilemma that they're in right now. If it's a will, whose will is it? Well, I am hoping, since no one is worthy to open it to see, that it's God's will. It's God's plan for humanity, for the rest of the world. Could it be? Yeah, but I'm just speculating here because we're not told. But those are the two options that I'm the most comfortable with or the option that is a title deed, or that it is a will. Let's not get locked into the one thing and say, that's it, it has to be this. Because then we would be speculating, and we'd be putting all of our eggs in one basket. Verse 2. Then I saw a strong angel, as if there are wimpy angels. I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. And so John is now saying, you know, here's the scroll. You know, we hear that it is a strong angel declares that 
Someone has to be found worthy to open it. Someone has to be found. Because a scroll can't be... If there are instructions on who can open it, who qualifies, then someone has to be qualified, but there was no one found. Now, I don't believe that's because there was no one that could open it. There is. But there is no human... There is no created being that qualifies. You see, everyone was, it was searched in heaven, on earth, under the earth, dead people, live people, and no one knew who was able to do it. And so John wept. That's all he could do. Why is he weeping? Because he doesn't even know what's inside the scroll, does he? He has no idea. But there are times in my life where the Holy Spirit lets me know something that I am not clear about what he's telling me, but I just feel emotional. Have you ever felt emotional because the Holy Spirit put some emotion in your life, on your heart. And I think that's what John is really feeling now. He knows that's important. And he just feels very emotional because he wanted to know. He, he wanted... The 24 elders sitting around the throne, by the way, it's not like John, 24 elders, four creatures... God. And those are the only people in there. The 24 elders represent all of the church and all of the faithful that went to heaven. Their spirits are there that went to heaven because of their faithfulness. Now, we get an idea of what happens when we leave this earth. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We also get a picture of this chasm that's between the holding place, Abraham's bosom, and Gehenna. And Jesus went and solved that problem when he died. Right? And he went and set the captives free. Okay, so those people are there in that place. Anyone from the church who has gone are there in that place. We know some of them. I know three this week that went and joined them there. The 24 elders are there representing the church. And so we're going to hear more about what's going on there in, in the verses to come. So no one was able to open it. No one was able to look at it. John's weeping. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. It's obvious here that John was the only one weeping. Right? Because the elders said to him, hey, 
do not weep. The creatures weren't weeping. We don't hear about them. They have eyes all the way around them and stuff like that. If they were weeping, it caused a flood. <laughs> do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So here, John is seeing Jesus, the lamb, as it had been slain. He wasn't slain because he was standing. And he went and got the scroll. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the root of Jesse. That's that's strange. How can you be the root of Jesse and be from the line of David? Because we know that Jesus came from the line of David, right? They call him the son of David. But he's the root of Jesse, his father. So he was before him. And the picture tells us who he is. He's the root of David and the lion of the tribe of Judah. These prophecies go back to the Old Testament. And they're being fulfilled in the New Testament. He is the sacrifice lamb. He's the one that is dying for the sin of the world. And that's why he's the only one that can open the scroll. Because he made the payment. He fulfilled the payment of what needed to be done allowing him to have access. Another good reason why it would be recognized as the title deed, because he bought it. It's also a good reason why he was the one that is going to fulfill the will, because he was the one that died. And now he's going to fulfill what was written because of his death. The last will and testament. So, He fulfilled it all. And he's the only one that was not a created being that is able to open it. One of the most frustrating things that we have in our modern world today is identity theft. Many of you have had experiences with this. Not that you may have had your identity stolen, but uh, you've had people try to um, steal your identity. Some of you have had your identity stolen. You went through fighting it to get the identity back. Jesus has had someone trying to steal his identity for thousands of years. 
That's what Satan has been trying to do. He's trying to disguise himself as the Messiah. He's going to actually say that he is in the future. We'll be getting to that in a few chapters. But he's not going to work. It's not going to change reality. Even if someone steals your identity, it doesn't change who you are. So even though he's trying, it's not going to change who Jesus is. See, Jesus has life lock. <laughs> and he doesn't have life lock. He is life lock. And so there's no way that anything can be taken away from Jesus because this is all part of his identity. What the future holds is all part of him. So now he had taken the scroll in verse 8. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. So that's some good news, huh? Praise the Lord. That's what we are looking forward to. This is another one of those things. Worship breaks out in heaven. So far, chapter 4, worship is breaking out. Chapter 5, worship is... There's going to be a lot of worship going on in heaven. And it's all going to sound good. How many of you know how to play a harp? Right? Right? Well, the word harp is not exactly what we picture with, you know, the, the big harp. Uh, it's more like a zither and uh, more like what our guitars look like today. Uh, so John didn't know what a guitar was. He didn't say, oh, it's a fender, um, you know, no. No, he didn't know, so he just gave the best description he can. And all of them have... So everyone knows how to play an instrument. Woohoo! There's going to be a lot of music up there. And sing, because we're all worshiping. That's going to be... And everyone's in tune. We're all singing in the right key. It sounds just amazing. And we keep seeing this over and over again. Now, here's the new song. Guys, read it. We're going to be singing this. Okay? So might as well get the lyrics down now. You're worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. This is telling us that they know what is going to happen when that scroll is open, but mainly about who is opening it. He was the one that redeemed us to God. 
If you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation. Because everyone has to make a decision for Jesus Christ. Everyone has to invite him into their lives. Without him, we're not going to be there. But we can be there because of what he's done. He redeemed us by his blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. All of us. Doesn't matter where you're from, what your background is. And we're going to be kings and priests. And we're going to rule and reign on earth. What is that going to look like? Pastor Chuck Smith already has Hawaii. So, because um, he, he said that's, that's what he's taken. He's taken Hawaii. So I'm, I have to find another place to go. I don't know where yet. But all of us are going to be rule, rulers and we're going to be priests. I don't know how that's going to look. I don't understand what the big picture is. But what I do know is it's true. Because we're told here that it's true. So let's just set our hearts on that. The fact that we know what the truth is. We know what's going to happen. The new song is being sung. Everyone's falling down and worshiping. And we get to be rulers with Christ on earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures, the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. That's how you know you're there. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. So, The first song was talking about the redeemed. And when you're talking about the redeemed, we're talking about people that needed salvation, needed to be redeemed. That only could be humans. And even the 24 elders have to be humans because they were singing the song the creatures weren't. They were just listening to us. But here, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. It's not about redemption at this point. It's all about Him. We're just praising God. Again, worship. More and more worship. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea, all that are in them I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. There it is. There's the picture of what's going on. We still haven't opened the scroll. No seal has been opened yet. It's just a time of worship because we know what's coming next. If 
we know what's coming next because we read the book of Revelation, we're told that we're blessed because we read this book. Blessed are those that not only believe it, but abide by it, live in it, trust in it, believe in it, and we abide by it. So if we're looking at all of these things, we know what's coming next. We can prepare ourselves for what's coming next. That's good news. We should be excited about that. We can be preparing by worshiping every day. You don't need, we don't have a worship team, obviously, we, but we sing praises because it doesn't take a worship team to praise the Lord. It takes our voice. And so I praise the Lord. I sing worship right along with, you know, Sirius XM, the message. I'm I'm blasting out songs while I'm driving in my car. Unless Cheryl's with me and then she says, shut up. (laughs) But when I'm alone, man, I'm singing because I can, because I can worship anytime. All of us can do that. We can worship. There's going to be a lot of worship. Doesn't it make your heart feel good when you worship? Isn't it cool when the Holy Spirit brings a song to mind? When you may be going through a struggle and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just brings a song to your mind and you start going through and start repeating it and start singing it. And it's like, that's so refreshing. That's so encouraging. And I think that God wants us to do more of that. He, he wants, no matter how bad you sing, if, if you sing bad, just don't sit behind me. But if you can sing bad all you want because it's a sweet sound in his ear. The bowls that they were holding had incense in them. It was the prayers of the saints. In the Old Testament, when they were in the tabernacle and they were moving from place to place, the incense would be burned after they set up the tabernacle. They would burn the incense and the smoke could be seen throughout the whole camp. A million people, they could see the smoke of the and they recognized that as being the prayers of the saints going up to God. And so here we get another picture of that as they have these bowls of incense. Don't run out and buy incense. That's not what it's about. It's about your prayers. God will provide the incense. He provided the sacrifice. He'll provide the incense. Pray though. Just have conversations with him because that's sweet in his ears. Our worship, our prayers, it's all going to be there in the throne room. And the title deed of the earth is going to be in his hands or his will, whatever it it may be that he's holding on to. It's all going to be there and we're going to get to see it together. Amen? Amen.